Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I tell you, I, uh, I, I, told, I told the Lord at the beginning of this year, obviously within the heart in the, in the word for the Lord that we received um, for our vision this year, that this would be a year that we had experienced greater. And I told the Lord, I said, you know, whatever the cost is, you know, um, you bring the fire, man, I'll be the sacrifice. Whatever we got to do to make room for you to do what you need to do. And, and, and it's okay. You know what? The best disruption that we can have is one that's a holy interruption. And when God comes in, all of a sudden, it's amazing how we begin to see healing and breakthrough and deliverance, salvation, just encountering the presence of God, encountering the love of God. There's something about what the Lord is doing in his church right now. And understand this, if you're, if you're new to Abundant Life or if you're new to the church, first and foremost, we welcome you. We're so glad you would give part of your weekend to be here with us uh, at the church. If you're watching online, we welcome you. We're so glad that, that, that you've gotten connected with us. And we say this every week. We believe it with all of our heart. And we know it to be true, not because it sounds good, but because we have seen it, is that God's a good God. That God loves us, and God wants us to walk in the blessings that he has for our life. God wants to encounter us, not in a religious way, not in a way that we, we tend to box God in. But God's just saying, I want willing hearts. Willing hearts. You see a lot of what's going on right now in, in our nation, and I'm going to share a little bit about that. But it, it started with a willing heart, singular that quickly became hearts, plural, and we're seeing such an incredible move of God that is taking place right now across America. I'm going to say this, is that America is not far from God. Okay, I, I'll say that to myself. Pastor, America is not far from God. But the heart of America has and always will be his church. We were a nation that was founded on the principles of God. It is the church that is the heart of America. And let me tell you, when the heart grows cold, we don't see a move of God and heaven touch this earth. But when the heat of heaven touches the heart, it's the fire of revival that is seen. It's the fire of revival that you feel. It's the fire of revival that you hear. And so what is happening is those that are hungry to have their hearts get warmed up with the heat of heaven, those are the ones that saying, God, do whatever it is that you want to do. We're willing to put aside programs and agendas. We're willing to set aside all the things that we work so hard to plan and prepare. And don't get me wrong, plans and preparation are absolutely needed because you need to be a good steward of what you have but at the same time you need to make all the room for God to do what he wants to do and so when you're out abundant life what our heart is is that you're going to experience the presence of God the love of God that you're going to be able to encounter his goodness his grace because God loves you as you are but enough not to leave you the way that you are 
He didn't send his son to die on the cross so that you could still live a, the same painful, upset, broken, sinful life. He wanted you to experience life change that comes in him and him alone, which is Jesus. And so God is, is doing something so precious right now. And it's the responsibility, and I carry the responsibility to make sure that we're posturing ourselves to say, Lord, do what you want to do. If we don't get to the message, that's okay. Because what's more important right now is a marriage restored. And if that means, Holy Spirit, it's a touch from heaven in their life, let's do it. If it's an ailment or you're sick and God wants, we'll move. We're going to move in that direction. And so in this time, in this season right now, number one, I just want you to stir up your hearts with expectation that God is, not God will be, God is doing something great. And let's believe and contend that we will see greater in our church, in our families, in our community, in our county, in our state, and in around the nation. And so it is intentional every week when we say, join hands with the person next to you. And I know some people absolutely hate that. Ah, I don't want to touch their hand. What if they didn't sanitize or wash it? Uh, can I hold my own hand? <laughs> I know some of y'all that are like, no, I'm already close enough being shoulder to shoulder. Do I actually have to exchange life that's so intimate? I started doing this funny thing um, where when people go out for like a handshake, I go to do like a pound, and then they quickly change their hand posture from a handshake to a pound, and then I go like this, and I go back to a handshake, and I make it the most awkward moment. <laughs> so like they're giving me a pound, and I'm just grabbing their hand, and I love seeing the absolute most awkward, what do I do with this? And I just say, receive it. Just receive it. Like, you are a weird pastor. Sorry. <laughs> but God's doing something so cool right now, and I believe it's when we join our faith together. It's amazing how we're seeing people join their faith together. Because when we join our faith together, we become stronger. When we join our faith together, we make less room for the enemy to be able to sneak and weasel his way in and try and allow his agenda to be advanced because when we're locking arm in arm with one another, we're letting the enemy know, don't mess with the church, don't mess with God's people, don't mess with heaven. We have an agenda that's at hand on behalf of heaven and we're going to move it forward. And so we serve notice on the kingdom of darkness and we say, not today, Satan. But I'm telling you, there's something about what the Lord is doing that we have to protect. There is an anointing that God is stirring back up in his church again that we have to protect. We have to protect what God is doing in this house and, and especially what we're seeing in this season right now. I find it absolutely just incredible how the world had to spend millions of dollars millions of dollars to showcase a demonic agenda on a platform in a stage amongst all the celebrities at the Grammys, millions of dollars. 
And all it took was one prayer of a college student to move the agenda of God. Millions of dollars for a moment, one prayer for a movement. And no one's even talking about that unless if we bring it up for this reference sake or context. Everyone is talking about what God is doing right now. And God is doing something here right now. And it's easy to point fingers and, 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 and have all kinds of criticism and, and, and whether you want to call it a revival, not call it, I don't, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. But God is doing something. And God is doing something here. And God is specific and intentional to those that are hungry and want to get after it. And so if God does move it to a multi-day where we're seeing the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit just fall, then we're going to seek the Lord and do that. But if it's just for this moment that we're here together, then God's, let God do it. No matter what the case is, Lord, here we are with open hearts. Do what you want to do today. Do what you want to do. Let, and so my prayer is, let, let, let God in today. Let him stir up your heart today because you have something to offer. You have a life worth living. And God desires for you to encounter his goodness and his love. God desires for you to recognize the greatness that's inside of you. And he wants to get it on the outside of you so that your witness can be seen and heard and known. There is an anointing upon your life to have success and victory everywhere that you step foot. Everywhere that you go, you have an authority to be able to stop the agenda of the devil and initiate the agenda of the kingdom. And so I just want to take a few moments this morning and I want to talk to you from a passage that the Lord put on my heart earlier this week. I didn't understand it. I said, God, why are you bringing me to, the, to, this, to this story this morning? And I just want us to peek into the book of Judges. And we're going to read out of chapter 16. And, and I kind of struggle with this passage in the natural because the story is about Samson, a man who has hair, and I get to preach a message and I'm a man with no hair. So no matter how you look at this thing, I'm not going to win in this scenario. <laughs> but it's not about me. Although I, thought, I found it kind of funny, as I was on my way to church this morning, my daughter said to me, Daddy, you have a beautiful haircut. Thanks, Saya. I worked really hard on it. Shined it up real nice this morning, too. All my ball brothers say amen. That's like almost every man in the church. Hey, don't hate on it, man. For some of you, don't worry, there's still time. <laughs> oh, God, you're so good. Judges chapter 16. Uh, I want to just take a look at, 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 a, at, a, at a few lines of text this morning, and by a few lines, a lot of lines of text, so... If you're open to spirit, close your, you know, your spiritual fitness goals, we're going to close them this morning. So track with me a little bit. Um, but we're going to get the, the, we'll get a summation of what we want to communicate out of this passage. And we're talking about the life of Samson. And let me note this first. Samson was anointed by God, appointed by God. He had an anointing from God, 
And he was appointed by God with a purpose in this earth. Make no mistake about it, you are anointed by God and appointed by God for a purpose in this earth. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is anointed by God and appointed by God to do a mighty work in this earth. Amen? And so when we look at the life of Samson, it's easy to quickly gather the fact that he is a strong man, which was true. We understand, though, that his strength did come from the Lord. This is true. The interesting thing, though, about Samson is that he grew in his anointing as he got older. And I want to tell you that as you mature and grow in the things of God, your anointing only gets greater. The Bible notes that Samson, the very first thing that we see him demonstrating, demonstrating his strength is he kills a lion. And in fact, it says that he tore the lion as if he tore apart a baby goat. I didn't even know a baby goat was an easy thing to tear apart, let alone a lion. As the time goes on, we find him demonstrating his strength again, where he kills 30 Philistines. And you can go back and read all the stories where all this stuff happens, but for our sake of time, I just want to run us through this. He kills 30 Philistines. Then... As time progresses, his anointing comes upon him even stronger. And the Bible says that he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and he smited a thousand Philistines. Now, the best way that I can even put context to it, and it doesn't even put context to it. It's like a John Wick movie. Just brothers are rolling out at every single corner and this dude's just taking them down left and right. Although he didn't have a pistol, but he was probably pistol whipping them with that jawbone. Just knocking cats out. Everywhere that you turn, I mean, Samson was just at it in, in, in throws with these guys. But the spirit and the strength of the Lord was upon him. Now here's what's important though to note about Samson's life. Is that his anointing was for the purpose in which he was called. Your anointing is in the purpose in which you are called. So your anointing might not be to smite Philistines or co-workers and certain family members, but your anointing very well might be for you to be successful in the marketplace. It might be for you to be successful in your household leading a godly family in the things of God. Your anointing might be to be able to walk in maybe one of the five-fold ministries and you have the ability to evangelize to a city or a nation. Whatever the anointing is, it's for a specific purpose. And the Bible says that the gift and call of God is without repentance. He will not revoke it. He will not take it away. The question is, what are you doing with what you've been anointed for? And so we have been anointed for purpose just as Samson was anointed for purpose. And we find here, though, in chapter 16, that his purpose, his anointing, gets compromised. And let me tell you, the enemy wants to compromise the anointing of God that's in your life. But when we learn how to pr protect what God has given us, protect the anointing, and even that phrase has been taken out of context... A lot of times in church settings, we say protecting the anointing is that only the pastor or certain leadership is allowed to pray for people. No. 
Protecting the anointing is being a part of what the Spirit of God is doing in that atmosphere. So if you have a song to sing, sing it. If you have hands to lay, lay them. If you've got a prayer to pray, pray it. But what we try to do is we try to say, no, no one else can do it except for, well, no. Are we not the body of Christ? That's why I say join hands with the person next to you and pray for them as if you were praying for yourself. But protecting the anointing is not allowing the enemy to defile or the enemy to compromise what God has given you so that you can walk in the full measure, that you can be blessed in everything you put your hand to, that you can have the favor of God move so strongly upon your life that it becomes a witness to the world in which we live. And so we see here in Judges 16, there's a, th this infamous story that we've heard so many times probably dating all the way back to when we were in kids' church and we saw it on felt boards being demonstrated. For some of you, maybe it was Veggie Tales. <laughs> Whatever capacity it was. We're talking about Samson and Delilah for a few short moments, but I want you to see something here this morning. I want you to see it through the lens of your life, and then I want you to see it through the lens of the church. And how the enemy has tried to rise up against the church. And I'm not talking about the building, but the people of God. This is, this is the, 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 the lens I want you to see this story through. Verse 4, chapter 16 says this. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him... And find out where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him that we might bind and afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. There was five lords or five Philistines that represented the rulership over this group of people. And each of them said, what we will give you is 1,100 pieces of silver. In other words, Delilah's pay was almost $14,000 to figure out what Samson's strength was. Verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Now, here's what I want to gather off of these few, first few lines of text this morning, is that Samson... First and foremost, he was a Nazarite, and when he was born, he came under a Nazarite covenant, which meant that his hair was to never be cut, that a razor was to never touch his head. Number two, part of the Nazarite covenant is that they would never touch wine or strong drink. Number three, that they were not allowed to be around uh, unclean or, or defiled animals or, or, or people that are deceased that were dead. It was a covenant that made sure that they were set apart and that they, that they were consecrated to the work of God. So this is Samson's life right now. Consecrated to the work of the Lord. And as long as a razor never touched his hair and he lived this life, the Spirit of God would come upon him, the anointing would come upon him for great success and victory. And so what we find out though is that he's going to this valley called Sorek. And I want to tell you, the valley of Sorek means the valley of choice vines or the valley of choice vineyards. This was a town and a place that ran rampant 
with alcohol and drinking. And isn't it very interesting, the very thing that, that, that he needed to be cautious and mindful of. And the Bible doesn't note that he drank. But the idea of it is he went to a place that he might have not gotten drunk with wine, but he got drunk with a woman. In other words, he allowed himself to be intoxicated with the idea of lust and being around what he probably shouldn't have been around, which slowly began to open up the door to him compromising the very thing that God cautioned and warned him about. And so what we see is he goes to this valley, and, and the woman that he gets entangled with is Delilah, and the name Delilah means feeble. And you've got to be careful with what God has given you, because if you find yourself in the wrong places and around the wrong people, it will weaken what God has given you. This is why it's important that you have to protect the things that you see, the things that you hear, the conversations that you engage in, because the enemy will use those moments to compromise the very anointing and the thing that God has given you. You say, Pastor, are you talking about holiness? Absolutely. I'm talking about living your life separated from the things of this world. And the problem is, is that the world has crept into the church, getting the church to lower the standard. And so we don't see the power of God and the anointing of God move anymore because we're not living a life of consecration. And there comes a moment, such as now, that when we consecrate our lives before the Lord and we say enough is enough is enough. I want to see the power of God move in my family. I want to see the power of God move in my children. I want to see the power of God move in every area of my life. What is the cost? I need to cut out some things. And But Samson, he engages into this and he goes to Delilah's house. At least that's what we are assuming. Check this out. Verse, let's pick up verse 16 real quick. And the Bible says this, and it came to pass... Now, Samson was at Delilah's, and Delilah pestered him and pressed him about what is or where does your strength lie? Where does your strength lie? Three times. And, he, and Samson said, well, you know, if you tie me up and if you string me up and if you do this and that. And each of the times when she strung him up and got him all bound up, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He would break out of it. You know how the story goes. Never allowing her to know necessarily where that strength was coming from and finally after three goes at it she comes to him and she says that after she she pestered him daily with words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death the word vexed means annoyed have you ever been annoyed so much that you were finally like fine this is what it is it's my house at about 4 15 in the afternoon every day more, more, more. Dad, can I have this? Can I have snack? Can I have this? Can I have that? More. <gasps> Fine. <laughs> Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know. <laughs> I was pressed. But in this context, she was pressing him in such a way that the very thing that he needed to protect, he just begin to share in the Bible it, it says this very clearly right here in verse 17 that he told her all his heart and he said to her no razor ever came upon my head for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb if I am shaven then the strength will leave for me 
and I shall become weak and like the other men. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come upon once more for he has told me all his heart. Y'all catching what the thread is here? Did you hear the word hair one time? You heard razor, you heard head, you didn't hear hair, you heard heart. His hair was an extension of his heart. And the moment that she, or that he gave her access to his heart, it was a matter of time until his hair was compromised. And what we look here is in verse 19, look at this. And man, if we could just put a, put a, a spotlight on it. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Now, if the team could do me a favor and roll over to the next line, next two uh, scriptures, turn over with me this morning uh, to verse 20 and 21. I just want to see this on the screen. This is important. Kick over to Judges uh, 16, verse 20 and 21. I'll give them a second because I didn't put these in the notes this morning, but I saw this today and the Lord just got me on it. The Bible says in verse 20, and she said to the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before and other times shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. Verse 21. This is where I want you to see this now. We got verse 21 up on the screen. It says this, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Put out his eyes. You say, what are you trying to tell me this morning, pastor? The Lord has anointed you and he has appointed you. But when you allow the anointing to be compromised, you lose your ability to see where you're called to walk in purpose and destiny. And dare I say the enemy has tried to come in and cause the church to lose its anointing or compromise its anointing. Consequently, churches are not being the eyes leading people to Christ. We have lost our ability to see who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do. But when we begin to protect the anointing and protect our heart, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 10 verses 29, that the strength of the Lord is for the upright. It says the way of the Lord is strength actually for the upright. What does that mean? It means the strength of God are for those that are willing to walk upright in righteousness, in holiness, to be set apart, not compromising in the things of God, keeping the heart pure because out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Isn't it amazing how the heart runs such a theme throughout the Bible? Above all, guard your heart is what it says. Guard it with all diligence is what it says. And the enemy knows if he can get into your heart, it's a matter of time until he gets into your head. And Samson, who was anointed, did not guard his heart. See, here's the thing, is that his strength was not a secret, by the way. Anyone that knew about the Nazarite covenant and saw him grow up, this was no secret. It was never meant to be a secret. His strength was not classified, but his strength was meant to be fortified. 
What God has given you is not meant to be a secret held back so nobody knows, but it is meant to be protected so nobody can take advantage and cause you to compromise in what God's called you to do. So there's a difference between being classified and a difference between being fortified. And God wants us to make sure that we anchor what he's given us in a strong, protected place. And that's why I got to be in my word. And that's why I got to seek God in prayer. And that's why I got to join arms with other believers so that we can protect the very anointing that God has released into the house and into your life and in the things that he's called you to do. It's like this. I know that there's money in a bank. There's no secret. The question is, how is that money protected? So his strength wasn't in question as far as being a secret. It was, what do I do to get access? And Delilah pressed and pressed and pressed and found out that it was in his heart. His hair, again, was just a reflection of the heart. The heart was the covenant. He was in a covenant with God. And I want to tell you, when the church comes back into this covenant agreement with God, the power of God begins to move. Why do you think we're seeing God moving greater and greater in this church right now? It's because the people of God yourselves have gotten hungry for the things of God. And when I'm hungry for the things of God, I'm no longer hungry for the things of the world. And I'm walking in this covenant with God. I'm giving myself to the things of God. And so God is saying, yep, I can work with that. The prayer that Jesus taught said this, your kingdom come, your will be done. We get excited about the kingdom. Oh man, you know, in the kingdom there's no sickness and, and in the kingdom, you know, there's no poverty. In the kingdom there's no brokenness and in the kingdom there's righteousness and peace and joy. And, and, that's, and that's true and it's awesome. And, and, and man, I love the kingdom of God and the fruit of the kingdom and what it has. But the question is, how do I get the kingdom into this earth? And it's very simple. Will of God be done. My question is, are we in the will of God? Because when I'm in the will, the kingdom comes. But if I am not in the will, I can't see the kingdom move its way into my life. What is the will of God? Hebrews sums it up, chapter 12, verse 14, that the will of God is holiness and peace amongst each other. That is the will of the Lord. When I'm Living my life, shutting out the world, and I'm living my life in harmony with those around me. So why do you think I'm having everybody join hands? Because when I'm in the will of God, now the kingdom begins to flow. The power of God begins to flow. The spirit of God begins to be released. What was Jesus' whole accomplishment on this earth? For us to be set apart as the people of God, to be holy, and peace, first and foremost amongst us and him and each other because God wants the family God's heart has always been the family and if the enemy can come in and disrupt that he can disrupt the flow of what God wants to do but when I'm in the will I put it like this uh, about a month ago I put an order in at Whole Foods and um, I didn't want to go in the store y'all looking at me like what? yeah so I put in this order at Whole Foods I didn't want to go in the store I just wanted to do that, like, you know, come to me moment. <laughs> Bring my groceries to me, please. And so I, pull, I pulled into the parking lot, and my wife, she placed the order on the phone. And, um, uh, you know, I didn't know where, where to go. I just know that I needed to be in the parking lot. And so I was in the parking lot, but I wasn't in the right place. 
And so the individual that was bringing out the groceries had the cart full of groceries and she was wheeling it out. But I was not in the right parking space. So I called my wife and I said, where am I supposed to go? And she said, aisle two, row this, that, B, slot B. Oh, soon as I pulled in there, the cart rolled right up next to my door. Many of us, we're not seeing the kingdom come because we're not in the position of his will. I've been praying for it. I've been asking for it. I've been waiting on it. Yeah, but you're in the wrong parking spot. But when I'm in the right parking spot, when I'm in the right will, it's coming. And it's going to come right up to me. And it's going to have everything that I have need of. And so the enemy wants to get you out of the will. The enemy wants to get you to compromise anointing so that you cannot be who God has called and created you to be. Who God had called and created Samson to be. He gave up his heart and therefore a razor was upon his head. But it says that he was lulled to sleep. I'm here to tell the church it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Don't allow no feeble Delilah to lull you to sleep. Don't allow the things of this world to lull you to sleep. Don't allow the things of this world to cause you to be desensitized to the things of God. Oh, but it was just a little swear word. Oh, it was just a little nudity. Oh, it was just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And before you know it, you're so desensitized that you no longer have a spiritual sensitivity and you're wondering, Holy Spirit, where are you? And the Holy Spirit said, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't feel welcome because the environment that you set, I don't feel welcome. So if you're wondering where God is, ask yourself, what environment am I setting? And we're allowing ourselves to be lulled to sleep. But what if? What if we said, Lord, enough's enough? What if a righteous hunger begin to stir up? What if? A call to coming back to God begin to strike up as we're seeing right now in our nation again. What if? I'll tell you what if. Because when we begin to do that, we will see our children serve the Lord. We will see our communities blessed. We will see gangs dispersed. We will see crime rate drop. We will see drugs that are running rampant be stopped. We will see God accomplish his kingdom and his will. Don't get lulled to sleep. This is the hour not to be lulled to sleep. And Samson was lulled on weak knees. My God. I am not resting my life on weak knees. My life is going to be on a firm foundation. Jesus, my life is on you and you alone, Lord. And so when we, when we see this here, it says they came in and they put out his eyes. But I just want to bring you to this last, this last, this last passage. Hold on a second. Before y'all run, I know. I want to get this. I'm excited. We're going to get there. Man, the Lord just blew this up on me right now. Verse 25. So what happened when their hearts were merry? Here's what was going on. The Philistines, they were so excited that they captured Samson. Shaved his head, his strength left from him. They locked him up, they put him in the basement, they were having him do slaves work. They were throwing a big old party on the top of the temple. They were up there, the Bible says that they, that they were merry. And they said, call for Samson. 
that he may perform for us. My God. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. Jesus, help me as I, as I get this out right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When you compromise on the anointing and you are not walking the anointing of God, you're not operating out of the presence of God. You're operating out of the performance. And so when you don't see God move in his church anymore, it's because the churches aren't being spirit-led because they have a hunger for his presence. They subject themselves to be performance-driven churches. And we will not be a performance-driven church. We are presence-seeking churches. And the Bible says that Samson, he performed for them because he was no longer in his anointing. The word performed in this passage of scripture is to make one laugh to the point of mockery. What they were doing was they were mocking Samson. And there's a, a world out there that's mocking the church right now. Form of godliness, denying the power of. But what if we said, God... We're going to be pursuers of your presence. What if we protected the anointing? What if we said, God, what you have given us is so precious and so valuable because through it we can see our communities transformed and changed. Through it lives can be touched. Through it people can encounter your goodness in your love. What if we were pursuers of his presence? It says that he performed for them. And station them between the pillars. I gave a cool title for this morning, just titled Between the Pillars. You want a title to rem remember this message later in the week? Between the Pillars. Because I believe that everybody in life is going to find themselves between the pillars. What is the pillars? The pillars was the place that he needed to make a decision. Was it going to be the place of performance? Or was it going to be the place that would now become God's presence? Would it be the place of his pain? Or would it be the place that he could demonstrate one more time God's power? Would it be the place that would become a prison? Or would it be the place that could now become a platform for God to do what he wanted to do? Everyone will find themselves in a place between the pillars and you have to make a decision. Will I allow God to use me? The Bible says this as I close with this now. The Bible says... Verse 26, that as he was stationed between the pillars, then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women and the lords of the Philistines were there, 3,000 men and women on the roof watching as Samson performed. Verse 28, then Samson called the Lord saying, O Lord, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistine for my two eyes. And the story goes on that Samson took hold of the pillars of the temple. He braced himself, one on the right and one on the left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might. There's two significant things at the closing of Samson's life. And the first thing is this. He turns to this young lad and he says, help brace my hands on the pillars. He turned to a young boy 
And he said, help me get back into position. You know, on February the 8th, when all this stuff was started to happen, that we're seeing at the, the college at Asbury and all that stuff, it was a young boy that stood up and just began to testify. What I'm trying to tell you is this right now, is there's a generation at hand that the enemy thought that he was going to break down, but in the midst of that generation, God is raising up some hungry ones, some ones that have the fire that will get back in position the anointing. I'm here to tell you young people today, I don't care if you're a teenager, if you're a college student, or a young adult, the Lord is with you. And I'm here, mark my words, you have an empowerment and an anointing to get back into position what has been lost for so long. We are in a season right now, and if you don't fall into that bracket, now is the time you begin to intercede for this generation that's at hand. If you ever thought there was a generation that was in utter confusion, it's the generation that's at hand right now. And if there ever was a moment for the church to rise up and praise for the next generation, it's right now. But the Lord is using this generation to move the hand back in position that one more time, that one more time, the power of God will fall upon his people in such a way that we will see the greatest move of God. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about this season that we're in right now, that if we can begin to rise up and as the church move back into position, let the hand of God be moved in, in, in such a way upon our life that we see the greatest glory, the greatest release. Now is the hour right now, but it's going to cost you because, see, the other thing was this, is that Samson said to the Lord, let me die. Say, hold on, I don't want to die. No. But for some of us, we might need to die to flesh today. Jesus and Samson are the only two people in the Bible who are noted to accomplish more in their death than their earthly walk. Because the Bible says that when Samson pushed out those pillars, 3,000 people died on that one blow. 3,000, more than anybody else that he killed in his life on this earth. He did more in the giving up of his last breath. Jesus did more in giving up his last breath than he did in his earthly three-year ministry. The Bible says greater works that we will do than him, and it's going to be the cost when you're willing to die to flesh and say, Lord, it's not my agenda, it's not my will, your will be done. Your will be done. Lord, let my life be consecrated before you. Lord, let me not be divided and separated amongst the body of Christ, but for such a time as this, let us come together and fan the flame. Let us fan the flame. Let us see the greatest move of God than, like now than ever before. But you got to die to self. you got to die to self. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. 
He loves you and he wants to bless you.